0: At my end, I've had a couple of, say, uh, interviews where I've kind of discussed about uh, data structures and algorithms, but uh, it's never been the only talking point of my interviews so far. It's been a couple of rounds, maybe the coding rounds that you get on Hacker Earth or uh, Hacker Rank and Mm -hmm. the other platforms that exist. But it's not been the entire driving force for a data science interview. And if you ask me personally as well, I think uh, you don't sit down and you don't create linked list on a daily basis.
1: Welcome back to the Exploratory Podcast. My name is Seja and thanks to each and every single one of you who come back every time to learn To execute and to exploit for a better purpose and I think there was a lot of lessons that we could learn from the past year 2020 and I know it's been really the toughest years right from the beginning and we always have that opportunity to learn from them because all the failures are always the failures when we don't learn from them but when we learn from them that become our lessons. Equally, there is always a turn to learn from the rejections, maybe it's in life or in the jobs that we apply. And to begin a fresh start in the early 2021, today's guest is gonna help us to prepare and to propel specifically to the job interviews and much more specific into the data science interviews. As you already know, the kindest and the best mentors that I ever had, Bavesh. Before we move ahead, a huge shout out to Sundog Education for sponsoring this episode. Join over half a million learners across the world. You can learn machine learning, AI, and big data just for 28 dollars a month. All you need is some prior programming or scripting experience with a high school level math. With a lot of hands on activities and exercises, you can practice whatever you have learned. Visit sundog-education.com and sign up for a free trial course to start your journey towards a lucrative and rewarding career in the hardest technology. That's sundog education.com. Now, onto the ad free show. Bhavesh is a data scientist, a YouTuber, Google developer expert, educator, and a 40 and a 40 data scientist in India. In 2016, he did his post graduation at Berlin Institute of Technology and Science, Filani. He started his career in the engineering development group at MathWorks and later on, he worked as a software developer in Cisco Systems. To chart a career path in machine learning, he decided to pursue a course and to learn machine learning and he did it in Mumbai and then his journey started again as a data scientist in Flexi Loans, where his work revolved around automating the process using deep learning and to decrease the TAT, the turnaround time of the loan application. And then he started working on object detection, object classification, and many other OCR-related solutions. And in August 2018, he was selected as an instructor at Grey Atom. and since then he has been working with data science aspirants to help them transition to data science careers. And then the next year, 2019, with his noticeable work towards technology and community, he became a Google developer expert for machine learning. And again, in 2020, January, Bavish got listed and honored and awarded with the prestigious 40 and 40 Data Scientist by Analytics India Magazine. On top of all of that, he's the one who cares a lot about communities and their learnings by creating huge content in the form of videos on YouTube. And his channels like Python Tricks and Bavish Bad is having over 26,000 plus subscribers with over millions of views. And I can't wait anymore to start exploring with Bavish Bad. Thank you so much for joining us, Babish. I'm so glad that you are here. Yeah,
0: thanks, Teja, for inviting me. <laughs>
1: It's so cool that you have here, and I really, really love the way that we got connected earlier, maybe months ago. So, into I got reached out to you for giving a session to our students to actually get over and start a career into the data science habit and making them for the better, right? So, thank you so much yeah. for joining us, and thanks for that connection. Yeah,
0: thanks, thanks for inviting me.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you you've been you've been into so much into data science for long back, but I know that you kickstarted your career as an engineer, right? As you're into n- not not that into data science but you are you were into electronics and you were into different things right but how yeah. did that happen how did that carry shift from other background to the data science
0: yeah so i kick started my journey after my masters uh, so i did my masters in embedded systems uh, post which i worked with awesome companies like mathworks and cisco so my role primarily revolved around creating solutions wherein i coded hardware devices such as fpgas or Uh, your Arduino boards that are there. So I was more into electronics and less into say, uh, data science and machine learning. Uh, One fine day I decided that uh, this looks very promising, the whole AI buzz that was surrounding the air. Uh, I was like, let's give this a try. So that is where I decided to do a small course on data science and machine learning. And uh, yeah, that's how I kind of uh, started going through multiple online courses. Uh, I I did a, like a formal course as well in order to understand the fine details of data science and machine learning, uh, post which I kind of uh, made that successful transition into data science and machine learning.
1: Cool. I mean, it's, it's, you just explain your whole journey within the like two phrases or just like that yeah <laughs> that's so yeah. good that's so good and also you've been amazing work doing all of the times making a lot of content on the online helping a lot of people out there so yeah. but before we actually get into the careers and also helping others to get into the into the data sense and all of that i want to know your intention behind making videos because you know for every every work that we do in our life I believe there is a lot of reflection that we have been through a lot of times earlier, right? So, what really made you to start working on YouTubing and creating a lot of content which could help others with two different channels?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, uh, I'll I'll kind of uh, talk about why I started videos, uh, why I started creating videos. Uh, So, uh, uh, ideally, there are two people uh, or uh, there are two types of people. Uh, One of them kind of refer to, say, blogs or more of written material. Uh, The other category is where you want some visual representation of the same concept. So that is where uh, I fall into the second category. So I like going through videos and understanding videos a bit more uh, through a visual medium rather than going through uh, say tons of textual representation of that same concept. Uh, So that is where uh, I really like the idea of uh, creating videos. In my journey of transitioning from software engineering to data science, I think uh, YouTube played a very uh, important role as well, wherein I used to refer to a lot of uh, open source videos uh, by some amazing YouTube content creators as well. So uh, my, inti- my intention of creating YouTube videos was very simple. I wanted to create a placeholder, which I could refer to say five or seven months down the line. So that's how I started uh, creating videos uh my initial videos were terrible in terms of the production quality uh i I still go through them and i wonder how i started (laughs) my journey but over time i've kind of evolved in terms of like creating good quality content uh think of the production quality as well think of the editing that i do right now and -hmm. when i compare this current video state with the initial video state there is a big difference that i can observe So, yeah, I mean, just to uh, give you like a one line answer, my intention was to create videos that I can consume, say, uh, two years or three years down the line. Uh, Just to give you an example, if I'm confused of a topic like genie index in decision trees, then I don't have to refer to any other videos. I go back to my own videos. I watch it for five, seven minutes and I'm uh, done by revising my own content that I've created. So that was the purpose of uh, why I started creating videos.
1: Awesome. I mean, usually when we try, you know, when we actually move forward in doing something, yeah. it actually pivots into different things. So that's how it actually happened yeah. with you as well. So <laughs> you started working on the things that like a portfolio, putting all of their work that you could review back to learn on your own. But uh, maybe yeah. the feedbacks that you have gotten when you share to others and the, when you see on yourself this kind of a value that you're bringing to others to learn, maybe got pivoted into the things like a huge thing now you've been having thousands like 20,000 like 26,000 plus and yeah. millions of views right it's <laughs> yeah. amazing so that shows the value that is being given to the entire community of data science right that's amazing so and there are like various paths right getting into data science is not only a single path like right? you go and yeah. you try something you get in but there are a lot of ways maybe starting a startup or maybe you go to a course or maybe you you go for master's another way so having multiple approaches right so I want to know what's your, your the, what we call a concise way, maybe what we call a precise way that you could pick up an approach that you could refer to someone to choose this path to go ahead and get into data science.
0: So ideally, uh, at this stage, given the amount of content that is already available, uh, one thing that I can recommend for people who want to kickstart their journey in data science is Understand what you're trying to solve, understand the requirement of why you want to enter into data science. So I know it's very easy to get carried away by the whole buzz around data science and machine learning, yeah. but <laughs> understand uh, the the purpose of doing data science and machine learning. So when I was uh, planning to transition from software engineering to data science, uh, back of the mind, I already knew that I was decently placed with mathematics. I really like mm. mathematics as a subject. So for me, that transition was very seamless. I didn't have to uh, say uh, break my head in terms of understanding concepts. I had to go through a lot of concepts. There is no escaping that. But ideally, uh, if you know what your purpose is, then the entire process after that is very simplified. So that is something that I can recommend. Uh, Second piece that I can recommend is uh, start creating projects uh start moving out from the normal hello world kind of projects like your titanic mm-hmm. dataset or iris dataset uh these datasets are good enough for your initial uh, concept understanding but if you if you really want to get into the field of data science and machine learning pick up a problem that you face every day and try to create a solution around it it may be like a simple android app wherein you have deployed a small uh, tensorflow lite model Uh, which kind of Mm -hmm. simplifies a task that you would have to otherwise, say, uh, refer to some other external source. So uh, think of problems that you can solve using machine learning and data science and put that in your portfolio as well. So imagine if I am hiring for my team, uh, if there are, say, 10 or 20 people uh, that get shortlisted, what is different as compared to the other 19 people? Why should I interview one person over the 19 other people that are there? It is yeah. here that your uh, extracurricular activities in terms of what different things have you done in the scope come in very handy. So that is something super. that I can recommend. Yeah.
1: Cool. I mean, when you mentioned like uh, when you're recruiting for your team, that's that yeah. shows how 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 legit you can be a part, be a part. Right. So like I'm su- super curious to actually know, like uh, if there is a person that you're going to be interviewing. So what are the things that you ask him? Like what are the things that you look for?
0: So I generally uh, prefer going through the resume first and uh, one thing that I've noted so far uh, and the one thing that I've kept uh, at my end is I don't ask questions that I know. I prefer asking questions basis what the person in front of me is. So I Mm. may know 10 different things. The person in front of me may know say four or five different things. So I try to evaluate that person basis the basics of what is mentioned in his resume Uh, Mm -hmm. If he's mentioned decision tree, then I expect him to know decision tree in and out. Uh, So I tackle more in terms of the concepts that are there, how clear that person's concepts are. Uh, Secondly, what is the overall business impact that his projects have created so far? If he's like an experienced candidate, Uh, if he's fresh out of college and if we are hiring for a role, which is uh, say requiring someone with very little experience, someone that we can train on the job itself, then i look at what are the different other activities that he's done Uh, say more specifically like uh, some amazing projects that he that he's contributed to Uh, so these are the say few points that i look into when i'm hiring for my team so again it all boils down to what the requirements are for different companies but i generally go and I, i also have a very special round called the google search round uh, so given, uh, there's good amount of data that comes in in form of tables, that is your Excel sheets. Uh, one thing that I do is I give the laptop to that person that I'm interviewing. So I give him like a good 30 to one hour, uh, time duration and I have a simple pandas exercise for him. I want him to play around with data, uh, come up with the final, uh, say, uh, uh, visualization of that tabular data that is given to him. Uh, how well can he uh, use Google search? Can he come up with a solution uh, by using st- Stack Overflow and the other resources which are there? So that's how I hire for my team.
1: Cool. I mean, it's it kind of looks like uh, not so hard because it's more of a you look for the person what he's already good yeah. at because I see yeah. a lot of uh, recruiters and uh, any other people who go there uh, they would start uh, asking their experiences this is personally a higher facing because uh, before I actually uh, attend an interview I look at the person who is going to be interviewing me so let's suppose if it's like another person like Babish is going to be interviewing me so I go through Babish profiles GitHub profiles and LinkedIn profiles what he's already been through so I just look at that surprisingly what happened is that at the moment I got an interaction they started asking the questions from their projects and their views so that that was i literally blew my mind like i was just asking i know this question is from your github repository i know i have seen that (laughs) and that literally blew my mind like is that the way they want to see the different perspective or is the way that they want to see our own view on their work right that's also really interesting in the other hand so in the in the same way like what are the what are the best portfolio that you actually look for the person there so not only the activities are also all about the things that be that they will be carrying on their resume but most importantly the portfolio projects are the one that they actually grab our eyesight we look at yeah. the portfolio first instead of the uh, way they learned it what what certificates they have completed no we don't look at that we just go directly into the projects so uh, for a fresher, let's let's not go in general, but but specifically for a fresher who got graduated and looking for data science roles into it, machine learning or anything. So, what sort of projects that you specifically look for?
0: So, ideally, I look for projects which have like an end-to-end implementation. So, uh, think of it from right right from the inception. What was the business problem that the person was trying to solve? Uh, maybe if there is no business associated with that problem, I even mean, that's fine. But uh, what was the initial idea behind creating like a model of sorts for that particular problem? Uh, Secondly, what was the approach? Uh, Did that person directly jump into, uh, say, deep neural networks, which something he could have avoided by using a simple logistic regression as well? So Mm -hmm. I look at the second piece for me is I look at the approach. uh, Post which I also look at how is it being consumed at the end stages as well. So it's okay to create a model, but if you're not utilizing it in your entire workflow as well, uh, then there's no point of creating such fancy algorithms as well. So I look at Mm -hmm. an end-to-end implementation in terms of what that problem was, where is it currently being utilized, and if there is a possibility of scaling it up, what are the external steps that that person is taking? So the various points attached to say different projects. So I look at the feasibility piece as well, I look at the implementation, and then the final execution as well.
1: Cool and also like when we talk about the, such a kind of end-to-end things having in a resume of a student w- w- what actually triggers them is that uh, I often have this an issue and also have seen people of my friends who have been doing this uh, they try getting into a project and they actually grab it from a GitHub and they say that deep learning project about something about they use it CNN and then they they did an amazing work there but what happened is it's more about they know in a very high level not into the core yeah. they know in a very high level but they actually put, the, put that into an resume right but and also recruiters and people like you when they actually found that resume and the word like a deep neural networks with cnn and all and you did the work and the, when they when the person who shown the resume faces the question on cnn is so low level where he already known only in high level so what do you prefer is that okay to put such projects in resume or is that okay to explore and let it go off
0: So I would, uh, so this is something that I also follow and this is something that I've seen uh, people who are kind of selected as well. uh, Only put projects that you're very comfortable with. So if I've mentioned something about say support vector machine, then I should be comfortable enough in explaining the algorithm. Uh, There was a time where I was not comfortable with a couple of algorithms. Till the time Mm. I don't know mathematics for an algorithm. I don't put it in my resume even if that algorithm gives me close to 93, 94% accuracy. <laughs> so good. Uh, for me, uh, I, I kind of prefer having algorithms stated in my resume that uh, is those algorithms or those uh, say uh, things that I mentioned are something that I'm very comfortable explaining to even a layman as well. So uh, mm. think of it from this perspective that if a CEO of a company who has very little idea of what random forest is or what uh, say gradient boosting is you should be able to explain a concept to that person as well because at the end uh, you have to explain all your fancy algorithms to business as well so that Mm. is something that I can advise to all people listening this podcast as well uh, that if you're not comfortable about an algorithm although you might have reached like a very crazy accuracy number as well please don't (laughs) mention that because that's a very negative point when the recruiter kind of uh, reads that as well
1: yeah that's a good learning for others as well when they actually get it but the but the false thing i mean the very the saddest part is that, like they they give up right when they actually get that yeah. review back saying uh, you're not supposed to put such things which you are not not having much idea about it and they when they came back and they try to update the resume they feel kind of a little low and then you know they get back again and they try doing new things right and also yeah. when you mentioned about um, the algorithm specifically about svm and other algorithms that you mentioned so specific about decision tree as well so for, for people like getting into started into machine learning and try it for the jobs. So what are those algorithms that you literally prefer? You must do that. Like these are the checklist algorithms that you need to be covered before you approach any companies for machine learning rules.
0: Uh, so the basic uh, algorithms, so starting off with linear regression, uh, you should know the assumptions of linear regression. So uh, mm. sklearn uh, gives you this amazing module where you fit and then you can predict values but uh, have you spent some time with respect to understanding if there is multicollinearity in your data set? How do you avoid that? So understanding the entire process of regression is very important. Uh, If you have, uh, say, some issues with respect to different uh, features being correlated with each other, uh, what are the different techniques that you can use to avoid that as well? Uh, You should know a bit of, uh, say, L1 and L2 regression as well. Uh, Moving on to classification algorithms, you should be well aware with decision trees, Uh, you should be well aware about say random forest, Uh, it's good to know SVM as well, Uh, so as much as you can present to the end interviewer, that is the amount of knowledge that you should have, there is no checklist that I can say that you should know at least say 20 or 30 algorithms. Uh, the more the the more you know, the better it is. But mm. uh, ideally, uh, whatever little you know as well, it's okay at this stage if you're starting off your your career. But mm-hmm. you should be ve- very comfortable with those algorithms.
1: Absolutely, and you know, and also uh, just like that, taking it little forward. What happens is I see a lot of this happening in students and and out of that as well, like they underestimate the power of simple algorithms and which is so much powerful, like linear regression, maybe. And they overestimate the power of highest things, like maybe deep learning or reinforcement learning and all of that. Right. So this underestimation and overestimation would actually make them confused which to use at which time. Right. So what do you say, like what to choose at specific times? Right. You get that. Right. So how do you actually get that instance when you when you got a situation and you to pick that thing that you need to be trying on and you need to be keeping improving and improving to choose other things? And you fit fit with one best thing that says, yeah, this is the one which uses here.
0: So uh, I'll give you context in terms of the couple of interviews that I gave initially. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those were with big consulting companies as well. Uh, one thing that I realized after giving good amount of interviews uh, is that a lot of companies prefer models which have interpretability associated with it. So hmm. if I, if I build a loan defaulter model, then I should be able to convey what features actually contribute to a higher defaulter rate. So till the time I'm not able to find a correlation between my target variable and my feature contributions, then that model is essentially a black box. So, hmm. uh, Rather than directly jumping off to say a deep neural network to create a very accurate model, the initial steps should be to start off with the most simplest algorithms like a logistic regression, then move on to a decision tree, then jump to a random forest. And the focus should always be on explaining what your model is trying to achieve. If you can find out features which give a significant relationship between your say feature set as well as your target set, then that will kind of add a lot of value to your overall model that you've created. So Hmm. uh, don't just start off with deep neural networks. Start off with simpler algorithms and then move on to something that is complex. Uh, For image related tasks, yes, uh, there's no way out. You have to (laughs) kickstart with your deep neural networks. There's no escaping that. But when you have tabular data, when you are creating like a uh, say a a CTR prediction model basis, the impressions that you're getting or basis where your views are coming from then ideally uh, you would want to explain to business what the feature important features are for your model and how mm-hmm. i how have you gone about creating the entire model uh, modeling activity as well so uh, start off with simpler algorithms and then move on to something that is very complex
1: totally and and also i mean that that literally makes a lot of sense for others who want to get into that situation as well so yeah. uh, taking it a bit forward and a little deeper into such things i think this can be a most faq for you most frequently asked question for you <laughs> like is that okay to go to not to go about mathematics into it but is that really essential to get into the math core and then understand it and let's see how it works with different parameters and do all that exploration or is that go just say escape of fit and then you get that
0: so it depends i mean it depends on uh, on the organi i mean it depends on a lot of factors it depends mm. firstly uh, it depends on which organization are you working with what is the end outcome of the activity that you're performing uh, what happens is if you are good with mathematics if you have like a thorough knowledge of the internal working of the uh, internal working of the algorithms then uh, essentially the advantage that you get in that situation is. Uh, you know, if you if there is no scikit-learn, if there is no package that is available, then if the if the situation demands you to implement this from scratch, then you have that uh, say said knowledge in terms of implementation as well. The reason why I'm saying this is because uh, there was an instance where I had to say develop a time series based outlier algorithm, and this entire execution had to happen on big data. So I had a big Spark data frame with me where none of the scikit-learn algorithms work. Uh, Facebook's profit, which is used widely in time series as well, uh, was not very suitable for this activity as well. So in order to implement something that works at scale, that is say TBs of data as well, that is where I had to go through multiple research papers, come up with solutions and implement things from scratch. So it's a good to know knowledge, but again, you have to be aware of which organizations you're working for. Uh, what is the end output expected from you, if the need arises for you to implement algorithms from scratch, it is there that you'll have to go through the entire mathematics piece. But Mm. if it's more of say business driven role, wherein the company just expects to see the results in terms of the ROI, then uh, you can kind of put a limit in terms of how much mathematics is required, and then you can kind of create models around it.
1: Cool, and but I think it's gonna be really tricky to actually, you know, define uh, when we try yeah. looking for a company, and we try to predict, <laughs> we try and into prediction to whether to whether they would be using an inner models, they will be asking about mathematics or not. So it's all the try and fail again, and then we keep improving ourselves to move it forward. Yeah. Right, that's cool. Yeah. So and also in, in the same part, like when we when we when we try getting into interviews and then be there, uh, there is a chance where the person has really good uh, working experience on doing things. Maybe it's a petty projects and all of that, but th- he really did a lot of work. But I see a lot of times what's happening there is that they fail to explain in a, in a storytelling approach, right? They fail to yeah. uh, put it in a right way so that it could be uh, delivered in a, in a perfect manner where they could be having some impressions, right? Yeah. But how, what do you say about this, like, how could someone build such storytelling approaches? Do you have any kind of points that you should not to miss when you're explaining something to an interviewer during your projects, about your projects?
0: So, yeah, yeah. So, ideally, uh, the way I would start every project is I would start off with what is the problem that I was trying to solve. So, Mm. models are something that you're trying to, say, use for solving a problem. So, if you jump, jump directly into, say, stating what the problem, what the solution is, uh, people are not going to buy that. So hmm. essentially start off with what the business problem is or what is it that you were trying to solve using machine learning. Then state the approaches that you followed. What was the data pre-processing that you did? Uh, what was some awesome feature engineering that you kind of carried out as well? So uh, different pieces. So I remember doing some cool, amazing feature engineering, which I cannot share at this stage, given <laughs> it, is, it is specific to an organization. But mm. for a defaulter model as well, we came up with some unique features which not a lot of people have even thought about. Uh, finding mm. out some relationships with their name and all of that as well. So uh, create a story which is very say appealing in terms of what you were trying to solve. Uh, how did you better do? Uh, better arrive at a solution in terms of the final features. How did you drop some features? Uh, what was the objective of using one algorithm over the other? So if you can create an entire journey of sorts explaining the business problem, the approach and the execution, I'm pretty sure that half the battle is won there. Uh, After that, it's more of implementation in terms of what went correctly, what are the future steps if you have to scale it up in terms of like a proper solution as well. But if Mm -hmm. you can carry out the initial steps, that is explaining the problem correctly, uh, your approach and the final execution then I think uh, you're on the right track of landing up with that job as well.
1: Yeah, that's cool. So I want to know like in a different way, like this is the most common thing that I actually face when people started getting into machine learning, engineering roles, maybe internships or anything. So they directly jump in and start working with scikit-learn and putting in some TensorFlow, PyTorch and try doing something and CNNs or any other things at all. They try doing different stuff. But what I feel personally is that uh, before jumping into that, uh, data analytics is the one which is really so much important to be you know learned about and then you forward with a lot of uh, you know reports and make some all statements and then you forward right so what do you say about it is that is that good to go with start with uh, data analytics and then go forward to machine learning or is that directly go jump in with machine learning like what's your approach yeah
0: Yeah. so ideally uh, the way i would explain this would again be very specific to the organizations that you're targeting Uh, Mm -hmm. so say for example say if you consider a spectrum of 10 companies then out of 10 uh, the the fancy ml work would say revolve around in one or two companies the rest of the eight companies would still rely heavily on data analytics so Mm -hmm. generating insights generating the right quality insights the insights that you generate how actionable they are in terms of then creating the final value to business so Understand one thing uh, that everything that you're doing in the data science spectrum is to drive revenue for that company. So if you can create revenue out of say simple analytics, simple insights that you're able to provide to the organization, that to me is very valuable as compared to directly jumping onto machine learning. So yes, machine learning has its place. So say if you have been in the organization for a good amount of time and if there is a requirement that requires you to create a machine learning model, uh, maybe an NLP model, like a question answering system, which everyone's very, uh, say, curious to get their hands on in terms of the actual implementation. All the fancy things would fall into place, but the bread and butter for the organization is analytics. If you can derive business, if you can, say, generate business for the organization using numbers, nothing like it. So, I would highly encourage everyone who is kind of hearing this podcast to lay more focus on the analytics piece. How can you Mm -hmm. play around with data more, come up with better actionable insights and then jump from that stage to say, um, paying more focus on say machine learning algorithms and then uh, deriving the fancy deep learning models as well. So that is what I would recommend all of of the new Mm -hmm. joinees as well or the new people who are kind of entering this field of data science and machine learning
1: up to for so far so forth like it would be really helpful for those who are actually getting started like they're having no experience working with any any organization but they really want to get in i think this is going to be a really good help for them to actually give a kickstart but uh how about for the people who are actually trying out to make a career transition okay yeah. they're trying to make a career shift right so maybe maybe it's like people who are into software engineering. And they wanted to get into data science and data analytics, or else maybe people are into different background, not into CS, mechanics yeah. or electronics or any other. and they wanted to make a transition to data scientist or analytics and all? So yeah. let's start with in general before we go specific. Let me know like what's your review on in general when we make a carry transition, not only about the carries into into a specific domain to another domain, but what do you yeah. say about like carry transition? Do you actually recommend that, like, or else you go with what you are already existing things? <laughs>
0: So, again, I mean, I I don't have like a, say, a black and white answer for this. I think uh, Mm -hmm. it all depends on the situation that you're currently in. Uh, Do you see growth in your current role? If yes, then stick to that. If no, then think of the other options that are available. Think of data science as one of the option and not the only option. So, there are different things that you can try out as well. If you've kind of narrowed down that, yes, data science is something that is very appealing to me and I see... Uh, like a very bright future in data science and for example let's pick say someone who's handling devops for a company or someone who's handling say uh, front-end development for a company then ideally uh, the initial step for that person should be uh, to start off with online courses see how comfortable you are understanding concepts like regression classification and the other things that are there uh, post which you should always try to make a transition in your own organization so, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're working in a medium-scale company or even a bigger company, uh, try networking more within the company and make a transition internally because that will help you be at the same salary level uh, and you don't have to take like a very heavy pay cut as well. But uh, if you're okay with a pay cut, then you can, say, go all out and you can experiment uh, and start off as an intern in different companies. But, yeah, I mean, for people who are experienced, I would recommend they should try internally to get a transition into a data science or a machine learning engineer role. See how comfortable with they are in terms of uh, that role. And then if they really like what they're doing, then they can essentially uh, progress in that route itself. So that is something mm. that I can recommend at my end.
1: Cool. And also like in the, in the same way, like, what happens is when, when people started trying out looking jobs are coming up in LinkedIn yeah. or any a carriers page or any third party medium, they recommend yeah, jobs are opening, like to go ahead and try yeah. in some company that shows up. Yeah. Uh, the most common thought that we get is that Am I really ready for that? Like they get this question. I don't think I'm really ready for applying for that. I need to yeah. take a bit more, more bit more time and bit more experience, bit more learnings so that I could be a better to get accepted. Right? Yeah. So such kind of thinking is always there with everyone around. Maybe it's an yeah. expert. I don't think with experts, <laughs> but mostly with the students, right? Mostly yeah. with the people who are actually kickstarting or carry transition. They stri- they think like, I need to be a little bit better. So What's my question here is that how could someone really know whether they're ready for it or not?
0: So ideally, uh, a short answer for this is you, you can give it a shot. Uh, apply for a company. Uh, if you're lucky enough, you would get an interview call. Uh, get a sense mm-hmm. of how you performed. Even if you're not selected, it's okay. Uh, but get a sense of what is going wrong for you. If uh, if the person in front of you says that, hey, you're not ready at this stage, it's okay to accept that and work hard Uh, so put in more effort in terms of cracking the interviews going forward but giving an interview Mm. is always a good learning process so uh, for me one interview that stands out uh, in my entire career is the one that I gave with shadi.com so uh, I really uh, mark that interview as one of that life-changing interview for me, uh, if I may say so. Cool. So for me, uh, initially, when I was kind of learning data science and machine learning, I gave a lot of interviews. But one that stands out for me in terms of my own learning is uh, the interview that I gave with Shadi.com. I had a completely different outlook towards data science once i kind of understood how do i proceed with interviews what should i prepare so all of this is all of that was more of a guiding interview for me rather than like an interview interview of sorts so it's mm. it's okay to experiment if if you kind of have the basics done at your end uh, don't apply if you don't know the basics of say uh, regression and the other pieces which mm. accompany your normal initial entry level role as well but if you're confident with the basics if you're comfortable with the mathematics with it as well not the entire piece but to a certain extent if you can explain algorithms mathematically then uh, then there is no point in waiting for the right opportunity to come in Uh, if you believe that you should do 10 different things and then apply for a job so uh, let me make it very clear I learn on the job so there are a lot of things that I've learned on the job and not before the job so, uh, so uh, your basics or your fundamentals should be strong. Your mathematics t- skills should be strong. Your programming skills should be strong. And, yeah, I mean, if you have clear concepts, uh, please apply. Apply for job roles. Uh, try, take this as a learning opportunity, even if you don't land up with a job. And uh, keep mm-hmm. progressing in your career. So, I've had a lot of interviews where I've learned myself. So that is how I kind of take interviews on my stride and then I kind of keep progressing ahead.
1: Super. And what you mentioned is actually very true, like learning uh, on the go, right? We, we learn when we try doing the things and when we get into any companies, we work on the things. And that's yeah. where we actually learn rather than from courses or PD projects and kind of caggling things. But the thing is, when we get into a company and learning on the go is always so much important. So it's always good to keeping ourselves open for opportunities to let them test us, to let them actually make us understand the better version of ourselves can be become once the interview is actually done right yeah, so yeah. but I, i'm kind of curious to actually know why shadi.com interview is so precious for you like what what, what was the thing i'm kind of curious about it can you share more about why it's yeah. so precious for you
0: yeah yeah so uh, i was I, I i fell into the category of the scikit-learn data science initially so this was the initial days where i was just learning data science uh, mm-hmm. i i kind of uh, understood some algorithms at a very say surface level i wouldn't even say at a Mm -hmm. surface level i had like a bird's eye view of algorithms and i started applying for interviews Uh, it is Mm -hmm. here that uh, shadi.com the interview that uh, mr bhavik i don't remember his full name but uh, mr bhavik uh, he he heads the entire data science operations at shadi.com so he was the one who interviewed me he called me and we had like a good two-hour discussion Uh, he grilled me on regression concepts uh, basic regression Mm -hmm. concepts uh, uh, how is uh, how does uh, multicollinearity affect your overall so that that was the first time that i actually understood why linear regression assumptions are so important so for me Mm -hmm. it was more of a teaching experience rather than an interview experience Uh, he saw Mm -hmm. some potential in me he told me that uh Uh, If you you are, say, kind of comfortable with the entire concepts later on, uh, you can kind of come back and give an interview. But after that, uh, I kind of uh, say, uh, I kind of gave interviews at other places and I kind of cracked jobs in the other organizations. But for me, that interview stands out because it was like an eye opener for me in terms of Mm -hmm. what is actually expected in the industry. Uh, Before that, I'd given like a couple of them, which was not as grilling as this one. But this was like a good eye-opener for me in terms of what the industry expects and uh, how should I prepare for interviews? What is it like to work as a data scientist? All of that was much more clear when I gave that interview. After that, most Mm. of the interviews that I've given is all basis the preparation that I put in for every algorithm or every project basis of what I've learned from that interview. So for me, that interview kind of uh, stood out for me in terms of being like a proper eye-opener and, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I can still recollect uh, uh, those two hours in terms of how I was grilled for uh, different concepts <laughs> in uh, regression as well as classification. So, yeah, I mean, it was a very good learning experience for me. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of recollect that
1: yeah yeah it's actually very I mean it's very cool like sometimes what usually happens with me as well is yeah. that when we when I try applying for internships right it, it the whole interview turns up to a career counseling call like a ca- career counseling yeah. kind of a conversation right yeah. so I, I really love that I mean it happened with you like in that way but it happened with me as well many times where people start telling me like dude this is not the way that you could be you know doing such things but maybe you should yeah. try this thing maybe you should be try looking in a different way right so yeah. I mean it's uh, it kind of happen with me as well but uh, it's kind of fortunate as well but it's very uh, very rare if i if you could ask me but it's cool uh, to be on it as well right
0: so one other interview that i would like to share is uh, the one that i gave with uh, someone named avi Uh, hmm. he used to head the data science operations for inmobi Uh, really well sought out interview in terms of how an interview should be conducted uh this is something that i kind of learned in terms of how to conduct good proper data science interviews as well Uh, there was like (laughs) a proper introduction that he gave me Uh, he's like a senior boss at nmobi now i think he started his own company but uh, Mm -hmm. he started off explaining his background in data science and machine learning Uh, then uh, i kind of gave my introduction and uh, post which uh, we kind of uh, discussed about a couple of projects how i solved the project which algorithm i chose uh, how did I choose one project or the other things went really well the only constraint that came in was location so uh, things didn't materialize but uh, he's someone that I kind of uh, recollect in terms of how you should conduct an interview for data science and machine learning he had the plan mm. laid out for those two hours or two and a half hours I remember <laughs> if, I, if I remember correctly but yeah, I mean it was like a very well-structured interview as well so yeah that mm. is something that I can share as well.
1: Cool. I mean, I don't think you will you will remember the entire tour conversation, how it's structured. I don't think yeah, you will yeah. remember that. Uh, yeah. But can you just give us a glimpse? Like, why is that kind of very well structured? Like, what sort of things the, uh, the other person has done that literally blew your mind?
0: Yeah, so I think he started off with like a good 10-minute introduction. Uh, he kind of spoke of, about... Himself of himself and uh, uh, the next 10 minutes he spoke about what is he trying to solve by hiring a data Mm. scientist which is not Mm. a lot of uh, which is not something that a lot of companies share up front Mm. so he kind of uh, shared like a good blueprint in terms of very envisions data science for the next two years in Inmobi How he wants Mm -hmm. to make, uh, say, so Nmobi essentially is an advertisement-based company. They kind of uh, target users' basis, their interest as well. And they have like a very solid engineering uh, backbone that supports their entire uh, business. Uh, So their data science piece is also very sorted in terms of what they're trying to solve. So the next 10 minutes were more of an introduction in terms of what they've been able to execute at scale and what they intend to execute in the next two years or so. Uh, uh, after which uh, I gave a small introduction in terms of my educational background, my work experience before I became a data scientist and all of that. Uh, then we kind of uh, started talking about my projects. Uh, so some of them were say uh, NLP related projects, some were say mostly uh, basis some tabular data in terms of regression. Uh, so. Uh, We talked about projects, we talked about, uh, say, the different uh, algorithms that I had used, why I chose an X algorithm over Y, what is, how does an X algorithm work under the hood. So it was more Mm -hmm. of what I knew rather than what he knew. So again, this is something that I follow as well. So uh, it all boils down to how you kind of conduct an interview and do you even have a mindset of hiring the person in front of you? So a lot of people (laughs) uh, start an interview. I don't know, for some reason they have uh, that feeling that they are more superior than the person that they are kind of interviewing. Mm. So they don't keenly observe uh, what the person is trying to convey. Uh, So uh, Avi kind of uh, heard me out throughout the two, two and a half hours and we had a good healthy discussion. Uh, We discussed about different approaches that I could have taken for one problem. So it was a very healthy discussion more than an interview. It was more of understanding how much I knew what I had done rather than what he knew. So he, he knew a lot of things that I wouldn't know. But he didn't poke his nose by showing what he knows more and what I know less. So it was more Mm -hmm. of a discussion that how much I know and do I know it correctly or not. So that is why one thing that I kind of recollect from that entire two, two and a half, uh, say, hours of discussion is this is how you should conduct an interview. Uh, Mm -hmm. Essentially, the time given was three hours, but we kind of wrapped it up in two and a half hours. But it was a very good, (laughs) healthy discussion that I had with him. Yeah.
1: Cool I mean uh, it, it actually felt me like it more over a consulting thing like yeah. maybe I felt in that way like you, you know it's it feels like you're a person coming from a, a, per, a personal kind of a consulting service and you reached out and that's how the right the company yeah. people will actually explain you the things and they tell you the scenario and then you give the solution about with your introduction yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think it went over like a consulting and then like an interview later yeah. Right, that's cool, right? That's actually really good. Maybe that should, that if that is how things are going up, maybe it also boosts up others to actually learn their mistakes and yes. learn themselves better, rather getting themselves depressed not to apply for the next one, right? Yeah. That, that is so good. But how about, have you ever faced data structures being asked in interviews or do you actually use data structures and algorithms uh, specifically into CS when you apply, uh, when you're taking a person for data science
0: roles? So again, it depends. I have at my end never asked questions related to data structures and algorithms. But again, Mm -hmm. it depends on the kind of role that you apply for. So uh, data science itself is like a huge spectrum wherein you are expected to do a lot of things. Uh, Some companies expect you to, say, deploy models end-to-end. Some companies, your role may be more of a business analyst who creates models and generates insights. So it all depends on the kind of role that you've targeted. At my end, I've had a couple of, uh, say, uh, interviews where I've kind of discussed about uh, uh, data science or data structures and algorithms, but uh, it's never been the only talking point of my interviews so far. It's been a couple of rounds, maybe uh, the, the, the coding rounds that you get on Hacker Earth or uh, Hacker Rank mm. and the other platforms that exist. But it's not been the entire driving force for a data science interview. And if you ask me personally as well, I think uh, uh, in terms of the implementation of data, data structures and algorithms, you don't sit down and you don't create linked list, link list on a daily basis. All you have to do <laughs> as a data scientist is understand the data, create good, generate good insights out of it and then yeah, kind of yeah. uh, uh, create models around it as well. Uh, In the day-to-day workflow or all the Kaggle notebooks as well that you see uh, that are kind of widely accepted as well. I have not seen people implement uh, like really complex data structures Mm -hmm. to create a good solution or get a good rank on platforms as well. Most of the activities have been streamlined because of amazing packages like NumPy, Pandas. They're kind Mm -hmm. of doing the heavy lifting for you in terms of optimizing your data flow and uh, say parallelizing the entire operations as well so uh, having said that it also depends on the kind of role that you've applied for so if it's a mixture of good software engineering plus a bit of machine learning so those roles are typically called as machine learning software engineers where uh, companies require like 70% software engineers and a 30% knowledge of say uh, machine learning and data Mm -hmm. science that is where your data structures and algorithms are at the forefront but companies who actually require say pure data scientist so to speak that is where your data structure and algorithm knowledge is good to have but i don't think that is the only judging point that uh, say candidates are judged upon
1: Hm, mm, Yeah. I mean, it's more over, uh, and, and sometimes I think analytic skills is also really essential. Apart from data structures things, I think it's more over how you how you play with the data, right? It's yeah, more over yeah. how you understand the you know uh, what we call the heuristics between the things, and then you play with it and you come up with results and reports. Cool. Yeah. And uh, how about like? How do people can actually find approaches to apply for jobs? Maybe it's, it's not like we go for com or yeah. go for Kerry's page. Uh, I mean, these are all like, I don't see responses coming up much from the people. When I speak to them, they just say I'm not getting replies. I'm not getting, you know, in-touch actions to take it forward or interview calls or anything, right? So do you have any preference, like start start applying in this approach? Maybe that you could get higher probability getting acceptance or maybe high probability to get a reply at least. So what would you yeah. say about that?
0: Uh, yeah i mean uh, ideally i would say uh, in terms of applying for jobs as well uh, one thing that i would say specify is it's a difficult uh, piece to crack i mean uh, there's Mm. no one answer or there's no one magic portal wherein you can kind of (laughs) get uh, jobs as well Uh, one thing that i can advise is uh, narrow down your search in terms of what do you want to work on so If you you want to work in the consulting domain of data science, then uh, target companies which are into consulting. So, narrow down your option initially to get a sense of what you actually like and uh, where do you want to work. So, if you come from, say, a previous background of software engineering, then you might be interested in, say, a software-based machine learning engineer role where uh, Mm. your previous knowledge is again intact and you've kind of applied for different roles as well. If you're starting off fresh, then target data analytics role rather than jumping to say directly a data science or a machine learning engineer role and once you Mm -hmm. kind of get a sense of the data that is existing in that say organization then you can start searching for roles within the organization which are more to do with model building Uh, if the organization is not say mature enough to imbibe data science then you can say show use cases at your end in terms of how a particular model can help create a small proof of concept using jupyter notebook and show them the value that this model can add so ideally there's mm-hmm. no one job portal as such but narrow down your search uh, don't directly apply through the jobs that exist on linkedin uh, i've had zero success when i applied directly <laughs> for a job uh, so this holds <laughs> true for a lot of experienced people as well what i do yeah. differently is i reach out to people And uh, I reach out to people and I kind of uh, have a discussion with them if they have openings regarding a XYZ role in their organization. Uh, uh, And if there are openings that are available and if they find you suitable enough for that role, then they'll kind of uh, take the conversation forward. So uh, it's it's a good practice for them to understand what you've done so far in the cover letter. So try to fill in some, uh, say, uh, projects that you've covered so far and uh, don't please enter the famous hello world projects uh, enter some <laughs> unique projects that you've done at your end that will kind of uh, say uh, help them shortlist your profile better and they'll kind of reach out to you quickly but if you say enter the same iris data set or pca on iris data set or the titanic data set then they then uh, they wouldn't be able to contact you because those are the same set of resumes that even they would get from your normal job portals. So uh, mm. that is one thing that I can specify. Also uh, for people who are starting off, uh, try creating a brand for yourself. I think uh, you have great amount of platforms that exist such as YouTube, you have medium mm. as well. You can start writing mm. blogs on your own GitHub page. So if yeah. you can create your own content wherein you have sh- wherein you're kind of showcasing what you know, in form of projects or in form of your concepts then that is a good talking point where you can drive the conversation through your extracurricular activities that you're doing so that is something that I can kind of recommend as well and uh, yeah I mean one other thing that I would like to specify is don't start YouTube just for the sake of starting YouTube that I want something on my resume Uh, if you want to (laughs) make the most out of that entire activity then give it some time Uh, initially you won't get views you won't get subscribers it's it's like a gradual process wherein you'll have to keep putting in that piece of effort as well but uh, once that kind of uh, becomes much more mature then that is where you can start seeing rewards coming through youtube or the different activities like writing blogs on medium or writing good quality content as well Uh, Please don't copy and paste and uh, create a blog of sorts Uh, doesn't help a lot in terms of Mm. uh, your overall uh, reach as well for that particular blog Mm. post. Create something unique. Uh, The reason why I'm saying this is because before I started creating videos on YouTube and my first video as well was about uh, explaining a concept like true positive, true negative, false positive using cricket. Cool. So uh, Hmm. that's how I kind of kickstarted the activity so if you have that uh, passion of writing if you have that passion for creating videos then you can always explore these uh, different routes to create like a brand of your uh, brand of sorts
1: i mean that the way when you said right you actually explained uh maybe like true false true positives yeah. uh, f- false positive and all of that with a crooked example uh, i guess it's maybe it's like uh, the actually is out but the reality is not no uh, is that is that that way or you tried something different there
0: yeah yeah so for example if someone's out and if the umpire gives him a out then i think uh, basis what logic one and logic zero were, i kind of defined mm. out to be logic zero if i'm not wrong and cool. not out to be logic one so if if a person is not out and if uh, he's given not out by the umpire then that is a true positive if someone's mm. and if someone's actually out and if he's given out as well then that's that's a true yeah. negative and basis your uh, say other combinations that are there you can kind of come up with your false positives and false negatives as well so when I kind of recently opened that uh, the that blog as well and when I kind of entered the statistics section of that blog I observed that that blog itself has around 31,000 views so it's been really well received by the audience as well in terms of uh, the clarity that it gives so if you can create such simple analogies to complex uh, say concepts And that will help simplify a lot of, uh, say, concepts going forward for you as well.
1: Exactly. And also, uh, let's suppose this is a kind of a situation where the interviewer is actually asking you, like, explain all this uh, confusion, mavericks, and true positive, and false, negatives, and everything, right? Then you can actually take up this example, like a cricket, and then you say the true positive and all of that. I think it will literally impress them, (laughs) (laughs) right? The kind of intuition that you have. Because uh, uh, in this podcast, you're also doing something called ELI-5, which is like, explain like I am 5. Right. So definitely such kind of, uh, you know, this kind of analogies and some stories that you build up to explain such a I mean, crucial concepts, which are kind of complex, but with an example, it's going to be really, really, you know, engaging and easy. Right. So I think such a kind of approaches when they actually explain to interviewers, I think it will definitely impress them. But maybe they'll be also looking for some sort of real time things. That, will, that should I think it, it should come up from the projects that you have been doing earlier yes. and all of that exactly so super and and also when you mentioned about applying and reaching out to the person and then asking for any sort of openings and then trying out in that approach having a conversation and telling your requirement yeah. and looking at their requirement and then I want to know like is that okay to I mean I see a lot I mean uh, what happens is uh, all of a sudden you get a connection request and the moment you accept that you'll get an invite you get, you'll get a direct message saying that uh, um, hi Babesh. I know you're working for some ex-company and yeah. then I'm looking for such a kind of role. So uh, are there any openings in that? Uh, is that? Is that a good way to do that?
0: It depends. I think uh, if you are searching for a job, then ideally uh, mm. having those messages may help, may not help. Depends on the situation. Depends on your profile mm. as well. Uh, it's it's good to not send the message right away. Uh, it's It's good to... Yeah. Uh, connect with them initially wait for a couple of days maybe a week or so and then uh, strike a conversation with them in terms of uh, understanding what they're doing in their current role Uh, talk to them if they have openings in their place as well Uh, some people kind of directly say forward their resume uh, without even knowing if there is an actual requirement or not so uh, imagine if there is so For everyone, even if someone's kind of heading the data science team as well. If he has a, say, a team of 10 people. And if he's not keen on hiring, say, any new talent. Then even at his end, he's very helpless in terms of helping that person who's reached out to him. So... Uh, what happens in that case is it becomes more of like a sad experience for the person who's applied because he's not got a message back as well. But mm. think of it from a, say, from an organization perspective as well. If there is nothing that a new person can add value to, then they wouldn't even hire that new person as well. And for the new person as well, if I'm hired in a company wherein I don't have challenging work, then even that defeats the purpose of having a job. So it's it's a two-way thing, but it i there's no right or wrong in this in terms of uh, mm. directly sending across a message but you should be open of you should be open to accepting that it's okay to not get a response immediately or maybe yeah. uh, not get a response at all so there are tons of people who might reach out to that uh, senior leader on uh, in terms of like job openings as well so for him as mm. well at his say at his level he may not be able to revert back to every request that he gets so that is something that i can Say share at this point of time.
1: Cool, cool. But I, I mean, that's that's really great and beautifully said. And also, I, I often find few posts in LinkedIn saying that they just say that I'm looking for opportunities in such kind of roles, which are like bullet points like data analytics and yeah. machine learning engineering roles. And they leave a email saying that please reply me back. Right. Yeah. And uh, and you can you can actually find comments coming up like I'm commenting for a better reach, commenting for yeah, a better yeah. reach, commenting for a better reach. So uh, I I don't usually recommend that. I don't know like what's your view on it like is that okay to do that if the opportunity turns up maybe that's lucky and that's also good but what do you actually say is that i mean if what if like all of a sudden everyone does that
0: ideally if everyone starts doing that then ideally uh, not a lot of people would land up with a job using that process (laughs) Uh, and uh, for people who are doing this uh, maybe if, you, if you're if kind of starting off in your career, then that's okay. But if you are already working mm. and if you start posting such messages, then it's, it's a bit of a question in terms of where you're currently working. So your current employer would also know about that. So the mm. best practice to follow. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if there is like a sudden requirement that you have, if it's like an emergency where you've kind of exhausted all your savings and if you are not finding a job for like say three or four months, then mm-hmm. uh, uh, posting such a thing may look correct. But again, how much of it actually converts is again a question mark. Uh, how many conversions have we seen after those posts as well is again like a good data point to collect. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no right or wrong in that aspect as well. As as long as you're able to crack a job, everything's okay. That is what I feel. I think uh, yeah, maybe yeah. I don't think it's like the right opportunity or it's not the right option mm. for people with experience. Even for freshers as well, if you actually want like a good job at your end, then uh, utilize that time to create some, say, amazing projects that uh, Mm, the best possible situation would be a recruiter directly contacting you rather than you having to search for a recruiter. So that would be the most ideal situation as well.
1: Exactly. I mean, uh, that's the the way, right? I see people also does this kind of... Uh, Very often very often I see that uh, I mean a lot of engineering students and also others are kind of a bit low but I see a lot of engineering students does this who are seeking for opportunities what they do they try running up some model and they they, they make a recording video of the entire screen the how it works and all and then they put it in that right. So no. I don't know how, how far the legitimacy, right, the legitness in the content would know to others, but but it goes up to a high reach, right? It goes up to yeah. a lot of people with a lot of comments and a lot of, you know, actions they had taken, maybe liking or celebrating or anything. Yeah. But uh, what do you say about it? Like, uh, how, I don't have a specific question for that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what do you actually say? I think you already know such things happening. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think it, it all depends on uh, if you've done that entire activity on your own or if you've just copied and pasted mm. from some GitHub profile. Uh, mm. it, so if it, it's, it's, a, it's okay to get views out of it if you can create like a demo of sorts. Uh, but there mm. are people who have kind of landed up with a job uh, after creating like an end-to-end solution. Cool. Uh, I remember mm. uh, there was one person who created uh, uh, like a bank note classifier. You have those 500 denomination notes Uh, you have 500 does it exist yeah sorry Uh, 500 and then you have 2000 uh, denomination notes as well so someone created like a simple classifier that could classify our currency and uh, he Mm. created an end-to-end app so he had the entire structure in place wherein he could deploy that entire app on uh, the hosting platforms and uh, we could kind of get good predictions as well he trained like a good model he kind of Uh, created like the entire so he created like an entire blog post out of the entire process that he followed Uh, so he kind of laid down the steps of how he collected data how he created models how he deployed them and how how you can kind of use it going forward as well so if you can give like an entire answer to the entire process that you followed for creating that solution i think it's a good place to say showcase the amazing work that you're doing but if you kind of copying and pasting things from the internet that are already available, then I'm pretty sure you would be caught when you're kind of being interviewed for that role. So,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. yeah that, that's the flip so, side of how the entire viral concept works as well
1: exactly yeah I mean it kind of you know sometimes it may works as a knocking a door and yeah. all of a sudden a door open and then you try get in but it may also put you in reverse situation as well yeah yes. that's that's true and maybe putting the work that we've been doing for years or for months putting all of our efforts and learnings and sharing it to others we, will actually give you a kind of a energy to yeah. actually let others to also encourage and, and again it depends like people I see sometimes people usually say I don't want to get into LinkedIn again back because I feel kind of low I feel a bit depressed when, see, when seeing people doing a lot of work but I'm yeah. not doing any right <laughs> so yeah uh, I mean LinkedIn oh.
0: can get a bit demotivating so what I generally yeah. do these days is I, I kind of uh, use LinkedIn very less that is something that I've started doing at my end as well uh, it, it can get a bit depressing as well uh, especially when uh, there are tons of people doing certifications there are tons of people doing different things everyone's (laughs) winning awards here and there so it Mm -hmm. can get a bit depressing as well but as long as you're kind of doing your piece correctly i think uh, there's no need to kind of get affected by whatever is happening around the globe
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a human behavior, right? When we yeah, see yeah. something someone else is doing, like we try comparing with what we're doing now yeah. and what others are doing, <laughs> right? So it's very often it usually happens that keeping our self control and doing our own work, maybe in your case, you can create such amazing content. You create yeah. more and more rather comparing and in some a different person, it may be different, right? Yes. So, you know, knowing us, our strong parts and letting the weakness go off and building yeah. ourselves forward, maybe that's could help us a bit. Move forward in any any situations, right? So yeah. that's cool. Uh, we uh, we've been a lot about it, and here's the one thing that I really really want to ask. Yeah. I mean, uh, without 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 such the following questions, I don't think the conversation is gonna be ending. <laughs> yeah. So you've been doing YouTubing for years now, and yeah. it's been an amazing thing that you're giving a lot of lot of value for others for learning a lot about it, right? So I want to know like. What are those principles that you follow when you create a video, right? And you gave about the example of true positives and false, na- false yeah. positives and everything, right? And you, yeah. gave an a, you come up with an example of a creative approach where it could easily glue into any other brains who watch yeah. Crooked and they could easily relate with the concept, right? So yeah. this is kind of a principle that you follow by giving up an example and making it so clear and vivid to others to actually let them remember forever, right? So what are those principles or kind of, uh, you know, uh, this is this is going to be I create a video, then yeah. this is kind of a principle that I always follow to make a video. So what are those?
0: Cool. So I'll tell you a bit of the type of videos that I create and uh, I can kind of, you can kind of visit my channel anytime to see that the same theme <laughs> exists across all the videos. So it's yeah. been close to three years that I've been creating videos. Uh, when I kind of started creating videos, I, I had this aim of creating videos to keep them as a placeholder which I can refer later on so uh, my videos had to be short so I have not uh, kind of gone with the entire YouTube's algorithm of creating like longer videos I've kept them short, precise. Uh, The amount of time that requires that concept to be delivered I kind of utilize that time Uh, If you notice while training deep learning models as well, if you go through say different models that I've created in the recent videos, I fast forward those parts where I'm training models as well. So if the training is taking 20 minutes, then essentially in the video that entire piece would be around 30-40 seconds, not more than that. Because Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm, I have to view that video again, I don't want to spend 20 minutes to check (laughs) that the video is training Uh, The model is training for 20 odd minutes. I wouldn't appreciate that as well. So I have followed the simple principle of creating content that I can consume later on. And I think Mm -hmm. from the end user's perspective that how can I simplify this particular concept so that I can recollect it? Or how can I create content that has a high recall value? So that is something Mm -hmm. that I've had the entire video series for. Uh, My videos are generally between 5 to 10 minutes. So that is something that I've been consistent with. Uh, Some videos Mm -hmm. wherein there's good amount of code, there's good amount of concepts that are, say, revolving around that particular topic. That is where I extend the video to, say, 15 minutes. But you wouldn't find any video, say, more than 20 minutes. A couple of videos beyond 15 minutes because it was like a bigger Mm -hmm. concept. But Mm -hmm. nothing goes beyond 20 minutes in my channel. So... That is something that I've kept tightly in terms of my uh, overall channel uh, hygiene as well. The second thing Mm. is I kind of do good amount of research before I even put out a video. So I may have close to 180 odd videos in my main channel, but every Mm. piece is something that I kind of execute while recording the video and that is something that ships out as well in form of a video. So there's very little editing that I do uh, in terms of what I'm kind of delivering. So that is something that I follow. So it's a mixture of a couple of things that I keep ready. That is the video should be easy to consume. If it's a code Mm -hmm. walk along, then I kind of uh, have the video very clear in terms of the zoom level as well so that everyone's able to read code And I try to explain each and every piece of code that exists in my notebooks as well. So these are some Mm -hmm. sanity checks that I kind of follow in terms of creating videos. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the algorithm requires you to create different sorts of videos, uh, lengthier videos with multiple ads. I remember there was one uh, time series based videos or there is some channel that used to post time series uh, videos. Uh, That video had around five advertisements uh mm. so for me it was a very uh disturbing experience to watch such a video wherein yeah. there are five advertisements shown uh so at my yeah. end i kind of uh, don't have a lot of advertisements which are like so i add skippable advertisements as well uh not the mm-hmm. non-skippable ones so that people are kind of uh forced to see the advertisement as well but yeah, i mean uh, yeah. for me i've kept the channel clean in terms of what i wanted to present and it's a good mm. source that I consume later on as well. There's one other YouTuber. He's a tech YouTuber. Uh, nothing to do with data science and machine learning. Uh, his mm. name, I think a lot of the listeners would also know. His name is Marcus Brownlee, MKBHD, as people <laughs> call him. So yeah. uh, he creates some fascinating videos in terms of his graphics, yeah. in terms of how he yeah. picturizes Video cell quality, phones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, yeah. is. is Video quality is so amazing that you kind of end up watching that video just not for the product, but how he presents the product (laughs) as well. So I was going through a couple of his videos and he mentioned a point that he wants to create content that he can consume. So that is something that at my end, I follow as well. I Mm. want to create videos that one year down the line, if I have to revise a concept, I am just a video uh, like a search away in my video Mm. directory to kind of revise that concept so that is something that I follow in terms of creating videos as well
1: wow i mean that's beautifully said like <laughs> those principles like i mean the one what you mentioned right yeah. you know to do the content the two, which would be consumable for yourself yeah. and then it can be consumable for the others where it could be spreading across right because yeah. once we make it ourselves clear and vivid about doing what we are going to do and deliver and yeah. that's how it goes up right that's how the others also could, could able to understand and one thing that you mentioned about advertisements is also very true like it, it always hesitates others to actually get an interruption between and then go forward with the other thing it, even in the podcast we have. So we have a kind of bit of a pre-roll in the beginning and that's it. No more advertisements in the middle. So that's how it goes up. So definitely that's a good point to the others as well. And it's, it's really, really challenging for anyone uh, to actually manage different things, right? And I and I'm seeing you a long time back. You, it's been years that you're working on. You, you easily manage the thing. I don't, I, I can't say that's easy because I don't know yeah. how you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how do you do that? Like you, you, you take your work apart from the companies and all the organizations that you work for, and also you create the content parallelly, right? Yeah. So, yeah. which is which is kind of you know very very not not often, right? Which is so rare. People ca- challenging and doing, and and I see you are so consistent on it.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So what do you say about others, like maybe data scientists or maybe other roles they're working on and they're really, really wanted to get it, getting started with com- uh, youtubing and create their own content, but yeah. they kind of feel little hard because they have different responsibilities in companies and organizations. Right. So yeah. what's what's your uh, takeaway for them? I mean, what's what you could uh, express yourself and tell your points and all the things to them to actually apply?
0: yeah uh, so yeah i mean it's it's difficult it's not easy uh, <laughs> being consistent on youtube for the past three years i think uh, yeah. having close to around 205 odd videos uh, considering yeah. both by channels it's, it's a difficult uh, pace to keep so consider if there are close to say 1100 days in three years uh, divided hmm. by 205 you have close to an av- you have a average of close to around five uh, one video every five days uh, so mm. it's it's been a difficult journey but for me at an individual level it's been a great learning uh, that I've kind of undertaken through YouTube I think uh, with respect to the video editing piece I kind of learned a lot of say fine details on how you should re- edit videos as well uh, with respect mm. to creating thumbnails I think uh, I kind of reached out to my design team And they kind of helped me create good appealing thumbnails as well. Uh, So if you notice, uh, 9 out of 10 thumbnails would have left, my text would be left aligned. So uh, Mm. the natural tendency of your eyes is to go from left to right if you're reading English. So that is how (laughs) I kind of place uh, text on my uh, thumbnails as well. So for me, at Mm. an individual level, it's been a great learning experience. It's been uh, something that has taught me say to it's basically helped me evolve as an individual as well uh, speaking about the time that i devote i think it's more of more of like a passion right now rather than anything else mm. i don't know how long i'll continue creating videos i think uh that is something that i'm not sure of because given uh, as you kind of progress in your uh say career as well you're not sure of the amount of time that you can devote for videos as well but mm. uh Till the time I can create videos, I think uh, I'll kind of keep creating them. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's all—it's all about uh, how much time you can keep aside for YouTube, uh, how much you can devote, and how passionate are you? I think more than anything else, I've not—I've yeah. not. Uh, yeah. I have not uh, so I'm not selling anything right now, and uh, hmm. I don't have like a book accompanying my YouTube channel. I don't have a Udemy <laughs> course accompanying my YouTube channel. I do this for yeah. fun. I do this for self-satisfaction uh mm. i have not so if you go through videos so far i have not uh, publicized any other uh, say third party uh, say affiliations as well people have reached out to me for promoting different things but i've kind of kept my channel clean as well uh, just for the sake of keeping youtube more of like a passion and not like a money making device so mm. that's the whole uh, process that i've followed so far uh if if it happens that i create or if i kind of jump into youtube as a full-time profession then things might change but for now i'm really happy with the kind of work that i do in my primary role and youtube is more Mm. of a place wherein i kind of express my thoughts with respect to different concepts that i learn on the way so uh, that is how i've been able to create content so far so i don't know how long it's gonna say last but yeah, till the time it's moving, it's kind of a good ride for me as well.
1: Amazing. I mean, you 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 literally said it's so cool, which literally yeah. has a lot of a lot of information that actually tells about your thought process and your intentions and uh, your thinking uh, strategies that actually helps you to become more better with your passion. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I really love about what you mentioned earlier when you when you spoke about YouTubing, you started yeah. like more as an indexing indexing. For yourself, like consumable yeah, yeah. for yourself in the beginning, but later if you're ki- if you're on it for for years now and it literally become your passion, right? Yes. And you know this is a big thing for actually people who are listening out there and actually having a confusion to find their passion, to find their purpose, right? They always have this. I don't know what I'm really loving. I don't know what I love. I don't know what I what I really love doing, right? Yeah. They, ha- they all have this question, but I think. This is the right way. This is a good way that you could they could follow. They should start doing it, right? Yeah. They should start doing in something and they keep doing it. And maybe it can be a passion. Maybe it can be something that you really love doing, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that happened in your case as well. Yeah. Super.
0: For me as well, when I kickstarted uh, the entire activity of creating videos, I remember uh, spending around a couple of days in order to get the entire mm. video up and running. Even like a five-minute video for me initially, Uh, used to consume around a couple of days but right now uh, given the amount of comfort that I have in terms of creating videos I think uh, these days uh, rolling out videos is not a big challenge it consumes like good 4-5 hours not more than that. Some videos I remember I've kind of uh, pushed out in a couple of hours. And when I say pushed out a video, it's like an end-to-end delivery, creating content, mm. uh, recording videos, editing, uh, creating mm. thumbnails, creating the right series, yeah. keywords as well. So the end-to-end process for me, some for some videos, have been close to a couple of hours, not more than that. So for me, when I look back in terms of the time it used to take for creating videos to what it takes right now, it's been a great improvement curve for me as well. So yeah, that's, that's cool. how YouTube has been for me
1: so I mean I wanna I, I'm kind of more curious now when you yeah. speak about this so yeah. we all have uh, we will be getting a thoughts like I'm gonna create a video on a four set of topics right four yeah, topics yeah. and this yeah. is a complete set and we don't know which, which, which attracts us in a set a specific amount of time that actually makes us to work on something and we create right all the content content and we actually record it and then we publish right we make yeah. thumbnails and all so yeah. how do you actually manage this so you have four videos to be out for, for one once I think you really uh, one one video for one a week, video right? A week. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's like uh, once in a week you release a video, right? So how do you actually manage that? Which is in which phase? It's in editing phase, it's in writing phase, or it's in you know uh, thumbnail phase. So uh, do you have any tools or any sort of strategies or Excel sheets? Or how do you do that?
0: So it is more of ad hoc that I create videos. So if I kind of catch hold of a topic, uh, hmm. I kind of uh, research through uh, I through different sources. I go through some research papers. Uh, if mm. the topic is say very well laid out uh, in the documentation itself, then I kind of draw inspiration from that. Uh, mm. Once I'm clear in terms of what I want to deliver, then I create content around it. I I kind of use Google Collab to create code. I have a dummy dataset ready. Uh, if it's a classification problem, I have a dummy dataset ready for that as well. If it's a regression mm. problem, then I tackle it in a different way. Uh, once my thought process is clear in terms of what needs to be created then uh, given I have say decent amount of experience in data science I create like a good working model. Uh, Once that is ready I kind of go through it again just to check if everything is in place in terms of what I want to deliver. Uh, The next piece that I do is I create a small script Uh, that is something that takes a bit of a time in terms of getting the script right in terms of Telling a story, even if you're narrating like code, what does that code actually mm. do? You have to have some, say, story associated with it. So that is mm. something that takes a bit of time. The recording uh, initially used to take good amount of time, but right now it takes uh, like, if it's like a 10 minute video, then it would take around 30-35 minutes of recording. That is one piece that I kind of uh, want to bring it down even further. But uh, apart from that, uh, once that piece is done, Editing would take, uh, say, roughly an hour or so, depending on how complex the video is and where do I have to make cuts in the video. Once that is done, I think Mm. thumbnail creation is something that I create in like a couple of minutes now. So that isn't uh, much of a fight. I have like a template ready in terms of what I want to uh, say. If there is like a logo that I'm using of a particular library, then that's more of a copy paste that I do. Uh, If it's more of uh, a concept that I want to explain, then I make sure that the thumbnail text is very visible. So I keep it to the maximum font that is allowed. Uh, All of this is something that I pick up generally say late night every day. So there's no specific day as well. Uh, Maybe mostly after say 11 in the uh, evening, I kind of uh, pick up this activity of going through different topics and then uh, creating videos around it. Uh, The actual recording happens during the weekend. So I kind of record maybe four or five videos for a month if I have that amount of content ready uh, (laughs) during the weekend and then I keep it ready. So uh, basis data analytics again, uh, there's some cool feature on YouTube analytics, which tells you when Mm -hmm. your uh, subscribers are active and when are they likely Mm -hmm. to see a video more. So basis Mm -hmm. that uh, understanding as well, I have a fair sense of when to release a video So if you look closely, my videos have always been uh, live during say Friday or Saturday and the timing Mm. is around 7.30 to 8. So that is something that uh, YouTube has provided uh, in terms of a data point. So that is something that I utilize. Mm. So yeah, I mean, that's how I kind of phase out videos as well. Uh, some weeks Mm -hmm. are very dull wherein there is no topic to create a video on so that is where (laughs) uh, the previously created multiple videos help so that is how I'm able to schedule one week one video a week but yeah I mean there are weeks wherein you have say multiple topics popping in so that is where I record all of them during weekends and I kind of keep pushing them during say Fridays or Saturdays so uh, (laughs) that is the process (laughs) that I follow
1: Awesome. I mean, it's it 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 opens to a lot of questions if you say this to all your friends. Maybe they will yeah. definitely ask you, uh, "Dude, don't you enjoy holidays?
0: <laughs> so, so the, the idea is uh, even during weekends as well. Uh, I have like a very uh, uh, very laid back schedule, so uh, mm. it all falls in place if you if you're motivated enough. It's 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 yeah. something similar to something that you do on a daily basis. So if you kind of get mm. used to it then spending, say, one hour during the weekends for editing a video is also not a big challenge. But uh, ideally, uh, what happens is once you get in that zone of creating videos, then all the time that you invest is not something that you really think that you're kind of investing a lot of time. So one hour during Mm. weekends as well that I spend uh, is not that great according to me. So I kind of watch movies. I kind of go out with friends as well during weekends. But whenever I kind of find an hour here and there during weekends, uh, I'm quick enough to do my editing and uh, schedule the video uh, as in when it's required as well. So I kind of manage my time really well. That's how I've been able to uh, keep up to that uh, one video every five days schedule that I have on YouTube.
1: Cool. I mean, <laughs> people could literally take the things away because, uh, I think, I think, uh, when people say like, don't you enjoy the thing is, that's yeah. what you actually enjoy doing yeah. it. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's, that's the way like really good. And, uh, superb so that's all we've been so far like uh, I've been having a lot of questions for you and thank you so much uh, Babish for being uh, a very transparent and very unbiased answers that been for maybe for getting a jobs from the beginning or maybe for transitions into carries and I think it's gonna be really a huge takeaway for the listeners because we spoke a lot about analytics and jobs and interviews and uh, business I mean uh, all about the things that we've been covering a lot and they should definitely help if they are looking for carries and switching. Into data science, are kickstarting a new flavor of their journey into data science. I think it will be definitely helping for them. And uh, before we end up and we uh, hover the call over to the other things. So, our uh, if you, let let me know if you wanted to. I mean, uh, feel free to share anything with the listeners that you really wanted to share to them.
0: So, I don't think I have anything specific at this point of time. I think I've already spoken a lot. <laughs> then. Close to an hour that we've been kind of uh, yeah. discussing discussing about different things. So nothing specific. I think uh, the only thing that I can specify is it's, 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 it's a difficult job market at this stage given uh, companies are still recovering from COVID. Mm-hmm. So uh, the job market is not that great or it's not a very pleasant situation. But the only advice that I can give all of you who are listening right now is if you could be motivated enough to learn different things, learn as much as you can uh, say uh, learning couple of things from gcp as well in terms of data engineering mm. understanding data ingestion process uh, working with different uh, say web applications like flask uh, you have different versions of flask coming in as well you have something called as fast api that's mm. populated recently yeah. so there's tons of there are tons of new things that are coming up if you can keep yourself updated I'm pretty sure uh, you would get your first job or you would be able to successfully transition into data science and machine learning soon enough
1: super that that's a heavy takeaway like a huge takeaway for them they could actually if they could actually take yeah. this in and then put that into the execution and then try working on it and they get and they will i think they will definitely get results if they don't then yeah. they're not putting it in the right way <laughs> so yeah <laughs> thank you so much It's it's been an immense pleasure to have you and all of your answers really mean so much to me and to the listeners so i think it's going to be a huge impact for all of them into the careers of data science thank you so much for joining us
0: cool thank you so much for having me thank you
1: if you are the one looking forward to adapting machine learning into your career, take a look at our sponsors, SunDog Education, and start free trial with a lot of hands-on activities and exercises you can practice whatever you have learned. Visit sundog-education.com and you can find all the direct links in the episode notes below. Thank you.